Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. I've been waiting for five months for an excuse to play that song, and today is a good excuse for people who wear a certain kind of shoe. We'll be featured on today's show. Today's show, on today's show, we are going to talk about a group of women who reach such a state of depravity and desperation that they are willing to feast on the flesh of other humans. We're also going to talk about yellow jackets. Ha, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, yes, we're, we're going to talk at first about And Just Like That, which is the reboot of Sex in the City. Actually, no cannibalism takes place, at least in the first three episodes. Uh, but we see three of our four uh, iconic women back in action or maybe not much action, uh, as the case may be. Anyway, that's all to come. And then uh, in the second segment, we will indeed talk about Yellow Jackets, the story of a high school soccer team stranded in the mountains for 19 months. Some go in, some come out. It's not exactly the same number. Um, we'll tell you more about that. The main thing you need to know is this is The Nose, and The Nose panelists today are Tanisha Dugan, a director, producer, and arts consultant, uh, Carolyn Payne, an actress, comedian, and dancer. I feel like I'm just like a radio host. I, I should have two, two other things that I am. Uh, and she's also the founder uh, and uh, director and choreographer of Kinetic Dance. So... Maybe before we even begin our conversation about And Just Like That, once again, that's the Sex and the City reboot, um, let's hear a little something from the episode one. You're going to hear Charlotte, uh, Miranda, and Carrie, who else? Uh, and they're going to be talking. I just think the gray <laughs> ages you. No, you think the gray ages you. 
Because if we're friends and I'm this age, you can't be whatever age you're pretending to be. I am not pretending to be any age. I am 55. What, you want a medal? Yes. Yes, I do. Can I get a medal? Yes, you can. And when I turn 55 in 10 years, I would like a medal as well. <laughs> Thank you. And Thank you. Why are you just going after me? Carrie dyes her hair, too. Yeah, but hers is obvious. You're trying to pass. Yeah, but obvious in a good way, right? Because it's kind of obvious. It don't come cheap. You look great, gray, but I miss the red. And I just thought it might be fun, you know, for the start of school. Yeah, for all your play dates and things. Charlotte, I'm getting a master's in human rights to pair with my law degree, so hopefully I can become an advocate for women who need one. I don't have to be a spicy redhead to do that. I mean, we can't just stay who we were, right? Absolutely. And there are more important issues in the world than trying to look young. Ruth Bader Ginsburg dyed her hair. Mic drop. You know, it's not always that deep, though. I mean, sometimes they have really superficial conversations uh, in this series. So um, I have some specific questions that I do want to ask, but I think maybe just sort of uh, taking the temperature, so to speak, uh, of the panel would be a good way to start. So Tanisha, uh, I know you were you embraced to a certain degree the original Sex and the City. So what did this do for or to you? So, you know, I was curious as to why they changed the name of the show. Because mm. I just thought, I mean, it is Sex in the City. Yes, to be missing a gal, but it's the same gals. And now I have an understanding of why. Because it's, yes, the conversations are still not very deep. Uh, but there's no sex in this city. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Apparently, if you get to a certain age, you you no longer have sex. I don't know. Um it, it, it's not what I go to this franchise for, um, at least the first couple of episodes. Uh, I want the fashion and I want the fun. I love the cocktails and the silliness. And I think right now they're trying to sort of walk a path between some things. And I think part of it may be that that the showrunner may not be right for where they want to take this. You know? Yeah. Like maybe it needs to be... <laughs> helmed by Sarah Jessica Parker, you know? Yeah, I, I have so many questions about this, uh, and but I'll, I guess I'll hold them and, and get uh, the same, uh, put the, the same test to Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn, overall, uh, how are you doing with this? I, I happen to know the answer to this question. As, 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 <laughs> as usual, <laughs> I know the answer to this question. But tell everybody else. You know, I'm here to just hate on everything. Uh, it, it's... I was not a fan of the original Sex in the City. I just found them completely shallow and annoying. And now this this iteration of it is like also just depressing uh, because it, I, I don't know, beyond, you know, I guess it's no spoiler that Big dies in the first episode. And, you know, the second episode is a funeral. Like that is just darker stuff. And I agree with Tanisha, like, if you're going to have this show come back and and be here in this time, you know, just make it fun. Just make it about these 50-year-old, 50-something-year-old women just, like, living it up in their overly accessorized outfits and drinking cocktails. Like, I don't need, I don't need, like, deep and, uh, I don't need deep and brooding from these women. It's just not, you, you don't need it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure that deep and brooding entirely describes how I would perceive what's happening here. Although I, I think some of the some of the issues, Tanisha, seem to be contained actually in something Miranda says in the clip that we played. She says, "I mean, we can't just stay who we were, right?" And so. They kind of haven't, but they've kind of gone from 35 to 85 in a way. They they seem to have skipped any real kind of awareness of the world that they're living in. Or maybe that's just me. No, I think you're right. I think, you know, something you brought up in our in our early conversations is like, really, you're 50, you don't know what a podcast is? Like a podcast is just a part of the zeitgeist. It doesn't matter. You can be 80 and also know what a podcast is and probably have a favorite one that you listen to. Um, I think it's interesting because I think this show is having the same issues that the Real Housewives of New York is having, which is that we are in a time where we, may, we might want a little bit more from our froth or we don't want much at all from our froth. And I think that deciding which one you're going to be is a hard choice, you know, because you can't really be in the middle, or at least I haven't found sort of enticing entertainment that does both. Um, and, and with The Real Housewives, you know, they brought in, they were trying to bring in some more diversity, which they're doing here. I love seeing Nicole Ari Parker um, as one of the friends of of the housewives in the sex in the city world. Um, and I think those are really like great adjustments, um, but it all still feels surface and it doesn't really go any deeper. And then when they want to, in the case of Miranda, you know, and her storyline where they sort of want to talk about the world and they want to talk about politics and they want to talk about, you know, the way in which we interact with each other as it relates to race and, and, and all of that they recognize that like that isn't what people are there to watch the women of sex in the city do. And so it's not handled completely. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, 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 it's an interesting, I'm curious to see how it continues on. I would love to see, I mean, this might be my like dog with the bone statement about this show, but I would love to see it really run by a woman really like what, what does this look like? in the hands of a 50 year old woman telling the story of being a 50 year old woman in this time, you know, like with all of, with the fun, you know, because that is like the brand to me. Yeah. I, I, the thing about being in the middle, I think that that's so perfect. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to steal it for future cultural critiques because I think that's right. There's froth and there's substance, but uh, very few creators are willing to live at either one of those extremes. They don't want to take that chance. They hedge their bets. And Carolyn, I think this series really hedges its bets and to a point where I'm not even really sure what the attitude of the show creators is towards these three characters. I mean, uh -huh. it, it, it seems to me as though... You know, at times they, they are meant to be taken seriously. At other times, they really seem ridiculous. I mean, there's a scene, I think they're in Tribeca and they're kind of stalking Mr. one of Mr. Big's former uh, romantic partners, shall we say. And, and they're all wearing their ridiculous six-inch heels, you know, clonking around, running around. And they're you know, 55 years old. I, I don't know. You, you know, they just seem risible at that point. And, and Carolyn, I don't know, you're the comedy expert, but I feel like it's, it's, it's not funny enough, to, funny enough to be really funny, but they don't seem to trust the substance either. Yeah, I, I feel like they never, Sex and the City to me never was really funny. Um, and they have the opportunity. I actually think all of these actresses have the ability to be funny, but they, it's like, 
kind of that thing where they're too afraid to get dirty and get funny, like get real with it. You know, uh, they, and I totally, I need to backtrack for a second because I a hundred percent agree with Tanisha about the comparison to where Real Housewives of New York is right now. And this show <laughs> kind of syncing up on that same, they want to have their finger on what's going on and what's culturally relevant and issues that we're dealing with as a society. But it's like, they don't, they, they want to touch on it, but they don't want to push the buttons of it. So it just comes across as, as bland and, and cr almost like cringeworthy. I mean, it is cringeworthy sometimes for both of them. When Miranda had her whole verbal diarrhea scene, it totally reminded me of Ramona Singer on Real Housewives this season. Just be I, I was having flashbacks to that. That's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking, this is so Ramona Singer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, you know what's hard too i think for both of those shows you know the the main character the place itself new york city is changing you know and and you know i don't live there anymore and and i visit there far less in this zoom world that we're in but i had this really interesting conversation with a colleague who lives there and and was like you know the past 18 months you've seen the people who like really live in New York, the sort of what, and, and I, I'll use working class loosely, but what it means to be working class in New York City, and that does mean a, a very substantial um, income, but those people who like bought the brownstone in Brooklyn, and that is their primary home, there is no other place to be, and a place that really had as many residents that were part-time residents that were you know, lived there for work, but went someplace else in the summer times, went someplace else in the winter times. And I think the personality of New York is shifting as well. And nobody knows what that new personality is. So for shows like, and I don't know, I'll, I'll always call it the Sex and the City reboot, re reboot, but for shows like this one, um, I think it's hard for them to play off the main character of New York City when New York City's personality is shifting right before our eyes. Right. I, I'd go a little further, too. First of, first of all, great point. And, and I go a little further and say one of the ways that New York's identity has shifted in the ensuing years is, you know, it really has been taken over by plutocrats uh, to an increasing degree. The people who could afford to live in Chelsea are no longer the people who made Chelsea a very colorful place, you know, and the, or the meatpacking district. Or you, you, you know, every Everything's much more expensive. And so at the beginning, when you see them having lunch and Carrie is dressed in what looks to somebody in my house who knows a lot more about these kinds of things than I do, mm -hmm. like about $10,000 worth of clothes for lunch with two, mm -hmm. of her, with two of her longtime friends. There's a sense in which she, and then as we see a little bit more about how she and Mr. Big are living, to me, I'm thinking, well, you're part of the problem. You're not part of what makes New York City charming and 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 picaresque right. you're one of these rich a words who's <laughs> driving out everything i ever well, loved you're about one New of York the City. few right well and you're one of the few that are american right like that's the that's the other piece or of doesn't it, that like, or doesn't have a trust fund uh. right, right right exactly um so i think it, it is tough and i think you know a couple of years ago the appetite i'll speak for myself my appetite for that kind of um, aspirationalism was different. And I think you're right, Colin. Now I'm looking at it with a little bit of like, this is kind of gross. And if you're not going to just like lean into it and let me enjoy the $10,000 clothes and enjoy the fact that you're having, you know, going to these remarkable parties and enjoy, you know, 
this life that most New Yorkers, most Americans don't have, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to this franchise for. Right. You know? we, sh- we should say that well, I think we're all kind of stuck at the, the, on, at the end of the third episode. At least I didn't have any more to watch. Uh, and it does look like there's a yeah. turn coming. It may be the case that, that Carrie is going to reevaluate how she's been living her life, and maybe they all will. Okay, I have to ask a real guy question, and I'll ask you, Carolyn, although since you didn't like the first series in the first place, I don't know what you're going to have to say about this. But I think I speak for 99% of guys when I say, you know, to the extent that we watch this series at all, and to the extent that we would want to go out with anybody on this series, we all want to go out with Samantha, right? And so I feel like, you know, Kim Cattrall's absence here, for me, for guys maybe, is a bigger problem. But I just feel like in general, there was a, a certain earthiness and, and I don't know what other qualities that she brought to all this that, that, that I really do sort of mourn the passing of. But you can tell me that I'm a sexist pork face or, you know, whatever you choose to say. <laughs> you just danced around being like, well, the hot one is gone. So <laughs> um, I, I do think that I, I think that Samantha to, was probably the character I liked the most because she she was ridiculous and wonderful and extravagant and and just kind of a great uh you know a great foil to some of the other characters who could be a little bit more uptight and and she really to the few the few moments of the sh- original show that I did enjoy involved Samantha for sure so i maybe that is what part of the magic that is missing here um and and one of the things that kind of makes it it just it feels like there's something missing and maybe as this this uh this season evolves or this show i guess it's a totally different show as it as it evolves and some of these new characters will kind of step in and fill that void but i see what you're saying i i definitely get that um and i would say another thing to the sex yeah you're missing the sex well the sex i mean yeah that's what samantha brought yes I mean, and, and she, her, some, brought, and Samantha's know? basic philosophy was, I want to have sex the way I see men having sex. I want my, you know, sort of mastery of my situation to equal the way that men attempt to master their own sexual senses. And that that seemed to me to be an, at least an interesting and kind of exciting idea. And Tanisha, the other thing I would say about this, and I'm very comfortable being rejected about it, uh, is that really the straight guys in this series have never added much of anything to it. You know, I mean, you know, Chris Noth, and we could have a big conversation or not about his current set of problems, but I never found him to be a particularly interesting character. And I found him like annoying on screen for his one episode arc in this. And the two other husbands are just awful. I mean, they're just, you know, I mean, they're sort of not worthy of the kind of Hegelian chase that that the series consisted of. This is what you came back with in your jaws, these two losers? Oh, well, you know, I think they're, I don't know if they're losers. I think that they feel like good husbands, at least for Miranda and Samantha, they feel like good husbands and good partners. And I agree with you. It's, that's very boring. Um, and I think that they're, you know, not to sort of hem on the, the loss of Samantha, but by having this sort of perennial single gal um, in the mix as a foil to these married women, to these coupled women, because those women were always coupled for the most part, the, the first round of this show. Um, it, it, it's lost, it's lost a spark. Right. And I, and I think that is also true for, I mean, Miranda and Samantha have, have teenage children, you know, in the house. And 
in my fantasy of my life as a mom, I'm hoping that things spark up again once the kids are no longer, you know, tugging at your short tails. But perhaps what I'm seeing with them, which is like just wanting to hang out with their girlfriends, is is what's is what's next. I think what's really sort of sort I don't know, I'd say spoiler for me or sad for me is we know that Willie Garson is no longer on this planet. Mm-hmm. And so to see him, you know, as you said, one of the, the the gay best friends are some of the best energy in the show. And so to know that that is going to end, it has to, he doesn't, he is not alive. Um, and then to have the story that I think they decided on for, for Mr. Big well before Willie's passing, um, it, it's, it is inevitably going to be dark because I don't know how you deal with the loss of this, what is now becoming the fourth girlfriend um, based on the first three episodes. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how they manage that loss. And, and, and I think having that infusion of gay culture in this story has always been part of what makes it, makes it so fantastic. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see in the later parts of the season, how they, how they continue that legacy. Yeah, I, I think we probably need to wrap here. I had another question, but I've totally forgotten what it is. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I would say this. I, I feel like Carolyn is not going to move forward with this series. Um, but meanwhile, I, we should say Carolyn has plunged deeper into Yellow Jackets than we have. I think she's eaten. She's, um, in fact, watched six episodes and then cooked. And, she's been stung. Yeah, she, so to speak. yeah she cooked and ate uh, a FedEx guy today. So um, <laughs> the uh, she's just doing a very deep dive. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I would probably watch a little more of this. I really thought I was going to hate it. Like, really yeah, hate too. it. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess I could probably watch a little bit more of this. Uh, but uh, oh, we do have to we have to talk one more. Th- I, it came back to me what I want to talk about. So um, one of the new uh, characters, Carolyn, in the series is a character named Che. Uh, she's what? Irish, Mexican, trans. And she's not she. She's they. They are Irish, Mexican, trans, and a bunch of other stuff. They host a podcast. They do stand-up comedy. Um, I don't know. What did you make a, a, of that particular? Particular. I mean, it seemed as though they were trying to make up for some, for some of their demographic deficits with one character. <laughs> it's like, okay, let's check about eight boxes here. But Carolyn, what did you what did you uh, make of Che? Uh, honestly, I felt that Che was. Uh, I, I was kind of hoping that Che was going to sort of infiltrate their friend group and sort of take on the Samantha role. I don't know if that's what would happen, but I the dynamic of Che, but especially, you know, calling out Carrie for being such a, you know, prude on the podcast and not wanting to talk about sex stuff when that's exactly what Carrie was, you know, a wrote a entire column about in the original show. So I, I loved the character of Che and that was probably the highlight, I think, of the of this show for me. Although, can I say, Tanisha, I hate that podcast. It's like Morning Zoo, except that it's demographically, you know, yeah. much more uh, heterogeneous. It's as heterogeneous as it can get. But it's still kind of a Morning Zoo thing. There's a really obnoxious Asian yeah. guy with, like, just hor- horrific jokes, you know. And the whole thing struck me as... It also reminded a little bit of Ira and the Douche from uh, Parks and Rec. I mean, if that's your really great podcast, I, I'm I, I check, please. Yeah, 
I'm with you. I hate I hate the podcast as much as I hate the fact that Miranda is more concerned about her son smoking weed than she is about him literally having sex behind <laughs> her, her like bedroom wall. Like I'm just sort of like this is this is all very odd, but it makes for great conversation, which is what Sex in the City has always done. It's been fun to speak to other women about it and have it like uplift things in our lives. So I'm I will watch. I will continue to watch it. I will continue to talk about it. Because it, it's at, at least fulfilling that need. That's a great well, place to end. Uh, so that's what we'll do. We're going to talk about yellow jackets after this. I actually am feeling a little queasy. I had braised midfielder for lunch, and it's just ah, it's not sitting well. We'll we'll be back. <laughs> Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Loneliness can be a significant health risk to people of all ages. Dr. Laura Saunders, a psychologist from Hartford HealthCare's Institute of Living, talks about social isolation and why we need to connect in person. Loneliness actually is a pretty significant health risk for people that struggle with social isolation. It affects their blood pressure, it affects their immune system, it affects your willingness to get up and get out and can cause some not just emotional issues, but health problems as well. You're not alone. Dr. Saunders explains how important it is for us to look to others and get out of our comfort zone. I like to talk about social isolation as not just that individual's problem, but it's a community problem or it's a family problem. We need to connect with others. We can take space at times as well, but we need to step out of our comfort zone and do things to connect with other people. It's life-saving. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. We are back. This is The Nose, and today we are fortunate to have with us Denisha Dugan and Carolyn Payne as our Nose panelists. So Yellow Jackets is the story of a high school soccer team. Uh, They've won the state championship. They are headed for the nationals, and then there's a plane crash, and then they're uh, in the woods for 19 months. Um, Not all of them survive that process. Uh, they get hungry, uh, you can maybe imagine. Uh, before we get our panel to talk a little bit about this, let's hear a scene from uh, episode three of season one. I don't know how there can be a season two of this, but but maybe there can. I mean, people figure these things out. And I think we're hearing them uh, in the 1990s uh, when they are teenagers. We should say there are two different sets of actors uh, for each character. So these are the uh, younger actors playing the characters. This is all we have? Yeah, we got a ration. Okay. Cut them. Split this water. Here. Close your eyes and pretend it's bacon. Don't spill any. Hey, Misty said don't scratch. Get infected. If poison ivy's what kills me out here, then I deserve to die. So just careful with it. Dude! Hey! Travis, what are you doing? Uh, what the hell? Maybe you didn't notice, but we're kind of in a situation here, Flex. Don't. Who died and made him king of snacks? His dad, Lottie. Literally his dad. And that's right. We should cut him some slack. I guess it's fine if we all starve to death as long as Travis's feelings are okay. We're not gonna starve to death. 
Okay, when the rescue team gets here. If it gets here. Don't say that. Mm. So those are the younger ca- the characters in their younger states. In their older incarnations, uh, several actors, uh, Juliette Lewis uh, uh, and Melanie Linsky and Christina Ricci, all of whom came to fame in the 1990s, uh, one of them with Natural Born Killers, another one with Heavenly Creatures, one another one with the Adams Family. And I think it's, well, I know for a fact it's not an accident that uh, they've chosen some uh, actors who shot uh, up the charts to fame uh, in the 1990s and, and then kind of are, had to deal with the aftermath of it. So I don't Carolyn, uh, I had Tanisha start off uh, whatever the hell that <laughs> Sex in the City series is called. Um, so <laughs> you have to start this one off. Uh, and plus you're, you're in way deeper than we are. So uh, without spoiling too many things, how, how do things look to for you up there in the mountains or wherever you are? <laughs> uh, yeah, I – so – I have like a a little bit of a a cold. And so I've just been kind of taking it easy. And this show was like my gift to, it was the gift to me yesterday on the couch. I watched the first episode. Normally things like to watch for the nose. I'm not really, as you know, a huge fan of, I got into the first episode of this. And then like six hours later, uh, I was, I was in it. I had watched, I had just basically binged and then was just infuriated that there was not more to watch. Um, <laughs> it is definitely, it's, it's, it's bingeable. It's fun. It's interesting. It's dark. Uh, I, I really like it. And I think the performances all around by the actors are solid. Uh, and yeah, I, I liked I like stuff like this. I like things that have this little, this little edge, but are also still kind of like, a little bit bubblegum poppy. Like it has a little bit of that like kind of teen drama show vibe to it. Yeah, it does have it has that that bubblegum poppy teen uh drama show vibe to it, Tanisha. But in in a way, and I, I know I am a broken record about all this, I have kind of the same question, which is what is the ultimate attitude of the show's creators towards these characters? Because I would say at times, although this couldn't be a more gruesome upsetting, psychologically tense, insane, horrible uh, set of situations. At times, I don't know. I, I, I'll i just give a quick example, and I don't think this is a spoiler or anything like that, but, you know, after the plane crash, one of the characters turns out to be able to just instantly amputate a leg and then cauterize the wound with a piece of hot metal, and her explanation is that she took the Red Cross babysitting class twice. You know, and I think that's a joke. I, I don't see how that's n- not a yeah. joke. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a joke, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> so to, think, oh, it's a total joke because that character because I think we we learn that that character has some deep psychological issues. Yes. You know, and so for me, you know, that character goes says that as the excuse for the behavior that's just um that just drives her, you know? So I you know, I'm I'm with you. I don't think she she did that because she was like, oh, this is how I'm going to save this man's life. I think she did it because it was it was juicy to use a delicious word <laughs> to describe well, so, it. But, um, Tanisha, uh, let, me, let, me, let me just follow up on that. Know, and, get, yeah, go ahead. Finish your thought, though. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, Carolyn, what I have learned from watching from this whole 
uh, situation with you is that I will never get on a plane with you. <laughs> if we go someplace together, we will take separate planes because you just might, you know, if we, if we crash, I don't know if I, if I can get, a, get, get along with you uh, out in the wilderness. You might want to, to have me for dessert. That set, that actually sets up my next question. I both, I, I want to hear both of you on this. Although let me just quickly say people who are familiar with movies and actually human history may recognize in this plot uh, something that actually happened in real life. It happened to, I believe, a rugby team in the Andes. It turned into the movie Alive, uh, which uh, weirdly, first of all, has an actor named Jack Noseworthy in it. We have to know, find out more about Jack Noseworthy at some point in the future. That's and also amazing. Ileana Douglas, who was on our show yesterday, it's actually also in Alive and so Ileana has been sharing some some alive trivia with me today, but that's not what I want to talk about. Uh, and so I want to, I want to hear both of you on this. But Tanisha, maybe we can start with you. So the the show's creators have said that they got interested in this idea. Their first spark of it was that they heard that there was going to be. Uh, a, a remake of Lord of the Flies, but with all women. And they started sort of having a conversation. I think it's a husband and wife, and they were having conversations. Well, would women do things differently? Would they be less hierarchical? Would they be less punitive? Uh, and, and somebody's quote about this was, what are they going to do, collaborate to death? But but I just sort of, you know, <laughs> this I, I think this this series is, if it's asking any serious questions at all, and it might not be, it might just be a very lurid entertainment. But, I mean, it, it sort of raises some questions about sort of how to think about women in this situation. I guess we could also say these aren't normal women. These are women <laughs> profound psychological problems going into this. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, you know, it's, we just got through talking about sex in the city. Now I feel like we have to talk the same way about this. So, Tanisha, give me some of your thoughts. You know, it's, I, I love, first, I love that that's the idea, or at least that those were the conversations. And, you know, the creator in me is like, wow, that, to, to use a, a word we use around here, a Papulian thread, it would be actually really incredible to see how they're actually playing out survival of the fittest in the woods and then doing that out in their real life as adults. And, like, I would actually prefer this, this, series if it were really diving into that kind of theme throughout the the project i agree you know i love to see what does it look like if women are are out there alone figuring things out and i think at the end of the day we realized that like the gender is not the decider of how we handle trauma it's not necessarily the decider of how we work together or not i did laugh my whole butt off at collaborate ourselves to death because that's just hilarious. Um, and if it works, right, if we try it and it works, then we'll collaborate ourselves to life. Uh, but if we're, if it doesn't, if we, if only a few of us know how to hunt, hunt then get out there and hunt, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so I think, I think the idea of using Lord of the Flies as the basis for the project is really interesting i'm not quite sure they committed to that in its entirety and that's a shame you know carolyn before you react to that and hold, hang on to your thought i just want to play the other clip so you can hear a little bit more of the the uh, quote-unquote adult version of these characters we're going to hear a uh, juliet lewis she plays the character natalie christina ritchie as misty they sort of wind up in this kind of midnight run type buddy movie uh, that's kind of a subset of <laughs> the various plots that are going on here and like a lot of people in midnight run type buddy movies they don't really get along very well or see the world the same way so what have you got well 
If I've learned anything in the citizen detective community... The what? Citizen detective. We're like, um, we're like private investigators, except for no one hired us or asked for our help. We work together online to solve cold cases. Disappearances, murders, it's super fun. So I've been asking myself, what does the person who sent these postcards want? To scare us, to mess with our heads, make us think about what happened out there. Obviously a threat. Who's Jessica Roberts? She claims to be a reporter, but I think that's a lie. She's been nosing around. She claims she has a book deal, but... Well, how could she know about... Yeah. Maybe somebody talked. You found Travis? Oh. Yeah. Talk about someone who didn't want to be found. All right, so, Carolyn, I mean, from the very beginning of the series, there is the sense that they are not going to collaborate uh, t- together to death, that there are at least some of the characters do not see life as a collaborative process. They don't even see soccer teams as a collaborative process. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm wondering what sort of eye you think the creators have towards women uh, overall in this series. I mean, I think that it actually is doing a good job of kind of giving all of these different types of women, all of these characters, kind of a, a voice. They There are a lot of different personalities here. And, you know, any when you throw people into these life or death situations, these survival situations, the way that, you know, people's personalities react and how they... Uh, and how they act is is unpredictable. And I think that this show has kind of done a good job of allowing these characters to develop in that light. Uh, you know, and and i'm I'm fascinated by like humans in when when you corner a human, like the person that they become is really always fascinating to me. Like think about us all. like my household during quarantine had a toilet paper. We were one of the toilet paper shortage households. and uh, it, it became it became Lord of the Flies in here for like the two days that we <laughs> with real flies too. Yeah, it was it was awful, and the, <laughs> the we were behaving was like outrageous towards each other, and like it. So I mean, whoop! She might have disappeared. Um, there could I bet you somebody Aww, just, I mean, that's just a there small, you are. That's a silent. Yeah, somebody broke into there. Stores. I am. But there you yeah, are. that was. A, yeah, a small problem in, you know, the scheme of life. And I think that this show really does a good job of taking, allowing these characters to evolve and develop in interesting ways, uh, especially the dynamic among females. Uh, I think that that can be sometimes even more complicated. And I like that this show is allowing us to explore that in an extreme way. You know, my... Uh sometimes referred to as my sort of grandson, Charlie Cameron, turned 16 this year. And his uh, his great-grandmother has a thing where she asks anybody who has a birthday, what did you learn this year? Uh, and you have to answer that question no matter how old, how old you are. And so she asked Charlie, who had turned 16, and he said, he thought about it, he said, what I learned is that everybody has a story. Uh, 
and and mm-hmm. I I thought about that a little bit, uh, t- uh, Tanisha, in terms of Yellow Jackets, because there's ways in which there isn't a purely sympathetic character. The Melanie Linsky character of Shauna maybe comes close, you know. But what you mm-hmm. really see are a lot of people who they all have stories, and so uh, Taisa, who is the, the the person who on the soccer team maybe seems the most cutthroat and is a little bit uh, as uh, of an enforcer, and now is a uh, candidate for public office. You know, the more you watch her, the more you think, oh, no, she's got a story. <laughs> and, and everybody's got mm-hmm. a story. And that might be one of the strengths of this series, that it really refuses to have pure heroes, pure villains, purely sympathetic or unsympathetic characters. I don't know. Give me some of your thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, and I think that is one of the beauties of this project is that the characters are 360, that that there are no heroes, there are no demons. Um, everybody has moments of both. And I think that's really lovely. And it's it's interesting, you know, you, you know, it made a quip about, you know, the Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, you know, moment, those scenes being sort of like a buddy, a buddy, you know, chase cop situation and and I think this this project has a lot of genres it's trying to do and it made me think a little bit about WandaVision you know and in our conversations Hmm. however long ago that was about that project and how I loved the collage effect of all of the different uh film techniques and references and and ways of telling story um that that um that that WandaVision employed I think in this case in which the characters each individually have a story to tell the way that it's being told in the various sort of, in some ways, madcap throwing in of all genres is incongruent to really getting into the, the beauty of the, the complexities of the characters, right? That in some ways I wish that they would, that, that, that thing that is working so well elevated to be the only thing they needed to do mm-hmm. you know and it didn't need to be and we didn't have to be clever in how we told those stories or put a put a cherry on top or a hat on top of a hat as we were really like leaning into you know Christina Ricci's character you know having some real you know psychological uh troublesome relationship you know, uh, issues and, and like that now is like part thriller, you know, as opposed to just like real, let's see how this woman lives in this body and in this mind. Um, and the same, and the same for Thaisa, you know, that as she's trying to, to reach into the, to the higher powers of, of, of politics, we're getting more demons coming out of her, you know, and it just feels a little heavy-handed and I think the beauty of your grandson's um lesson this year about everyone having a story is is the simplicity of letting those stories reveal itself all right we're going to sort of stop there I do do want to quickly say this is a series that uh, necessarily jumps around in time as I say with sort of parallel mm-hmm. casts even I think they do it really well uh, there's even a, a, a pretty uh 
marvelous sequence in which three different phases of Thais's life are kind of interchanged constantly, sweeping through, cycling through each of them. And it's really done very artfully. Uh, I'm also watching Station Eleven right now, which I think is going to be an artistically superior thing, but they don't handle that Mm -hmm. kind of of time jumping uh, as cleanly as this series does. I also want to say that uh, sad news today, Joan Didion died at the age of 87, and the Pabulian through line is that she was obsessed with the Donner Party uh, from childhood, I think, and, and did include it in one of her writings. So uh, so there's always a Papulian through line. Let's take a break. We'll come back. Our terrific panel will make some recommendations. All right. Uh, before we get into the recommendations, uh, we're going to do it, by the way, in a year-end Noj show next week. I don't know what that will consist of exactly, but and at that time, maybe I can say some more things of this kind. But uh, here as we head into the holiday, I want to say I'm very, very thankful to have as our technical producer, Kat Pastor. I'm very, very, very thankful for all of the team that, that we have here. Jonathan McPants has kind of been uh, holding this show together in a lot of ways for quite a few months while we did our, our endless search for a senior producer culminating in Lily Tyson. And the producing he did on the, our previous episode, the, the Big Al and Jim Chapdelaine holiday special. Is, I mean, it's the stuff of legends. Uh, I mean, we he had like a hundred, uh, hundred and eighty minutes of stuff that had to get sort of seamlessly connected into forty-seven minutes, and and people are raving about this episode. It's just uh, they couldn't be more excited. I was ready to take my own life at the end of the taping. So and so it's all due to him and Jim Chapdelaine. So special thanks to them. Time to make some recommendations. Uh, Tanisha, why don't you go first? Sure. My first uh, recommendation, I want to say a special thank you to my friend, uh, Pedro Mutis, filmmaker of Revisionist Films, for this recommendation. Um, Carrie Mae Weems, who is a known collage artist, I'll say, uh, for using many disciplines in her work, has a piece going up at the park, uh, Park Avenue Armory. So if anyone's willing to drive and check out some art, I would totally endorse and recommend that. And my second recommendation is a little twee, I'm sure, but uh, Christmas cookies, the tradition of making them. Carolyn and I had a really lovely conversation (laughs) over the cookies we were making. Do not forget to share with me your Aperol spritz cookie recipe. Um, But it is just always a time, now that I have kids, it's 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 even different, but it's a time to sort of be with folks and get your hands dirty, share some recipes and some thoughts about what's been going on. It's a beautiful thing. So if you haven't made any cookies yet uh, in the next couple of weeks or for the rest of the year, Carolyn, many did, years of your life, yeah. make some cookies. Carolyn, did, did you just say you make an Adderall spritz cookie? What is that? <laughs> is, that help, is that a cookie that helps you concentrate or something? Uh, it really helps you stay focused with all your holiday tasks. No, <laughs> spritz cookies, like the alcohol. Um, and they're delicious and they come out beautiful. So they look really impressive too. Um, I will definitely share that recipe with you, Tanisha, and anyone else who wants it. Uh, Cause I always like some booze with my cookies. Um, yes, I second the, uh, I second sharing uh, cookies being a big, good part of the holiday season. Uh, also my uh, recommendation is going to be for a cheesy Christmas movie 
which I feel like you can't escape the holiday season without sitting around watching some. And the one I want to endorse is Surviving Christmas, which is which stars James Gandolfini and Catherine O'Hara, as <laughs> well as Ben Affleck and, and uh, Christina Applegate. So it's a really great cast. It kind of flew under the radar. It came out like almost 20 years ago. Uh, pretty much anything that has Catherine O'Hara, you know, it's going to be have really great uh, moments of comedy. And uh, this is a good one. So if you have if you're looking for a nice light Christmas season watch uh, that'll really make you laugh, go with Surviving Christmas. Carolyn, do we know where it's streaming? Um, you know, I don't. Uh, I I have not cut the cable cord. You can watch no. it if you have Xfinity. Um I don't know. Okay, I well, think- just press a lot of buttons until you get uh, Surviving Christmas. That's our advice. Now, you can just type that name into Google and put streaming, and they'll tell you where you can get it. All right, so I'm going to admit, uh, I, you know, Carolyn and I have very, very different tastes about things, and I think that's <laughs> even become fairly clear even in this episode. I actually think I might have found something that we both would like, uh, and it's called – it's from 2018. I mentioned it the other day, too. It's called Bathtubs Over Broadway, uh, and it is uh, about a writer on The David Letterman Show, a very introspective uh, and, and introverted kind of guy who was not really into a lot of joy. Uh, and his name is Steve Young. He's a real person. He was the head writer on Letterman. Uh, and he discovered something that he loved. And these turned out to be industrial musicals. For decades, big corporations would spend, it's in some instances, millions of dollars doing, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a musical about Kohler bathroom fixtures or something like that. And they would often cast it with like really famous people. I mean, Martin Short was in some of them. Valerie Harper was in some of them. Uh, but the recordings of them were never really distributed to the general public. And so this guy finds out about them at a time when he's sort of wondering what would bring joy to his life. He also discovers a small collector's community of people who want to get their hands on, on the vinyl albums that were made in very short batches and sometimes even, even their 16-millimeter films. Uh, and he begins to get to know all these collectors do. One of them, bizarrely, is Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys. So, <laughs> so I mean, it really it has the kind of tackiness that you need to keep Carolyn Payne involved in something, you know. But it also has the kind of wryness and irony that, that I enjoy. So it, it, it might be a winner. I mean, it also could be a, a movie that only I would like. Uh, but it's called Bathtubs Over Broadway. It's on Netflix. And, uh, Love it. Yeah. All right, Colin. Challenge accepted. <laughs> okay, challenge accepted. So uh, so great to have both of you. You're both terrific panelists. Uh, thanks so much to Tanisha Dugan and to Carolyn Payne and to Kat Pastor and uh, Jonathan McPants, who, as I say, has put together quite a week already. Up the street from a seminary. You know, it's a very, very, very cool place to hang out. Yeah. <laughs> it's cozy, like a Cracker Barrel. Yeah, we all be laughing, talking, joking, talking about this and talking about that. And talk about everything as a matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Talk about Torrington, Vernon, Danbury, Waterbury, Alderberry, Woodbury, hitting on New Britain, Vernon, I already said that one, Avon, Farmington, yeah, 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 yeah.